Amen. Thank you, guys. Well, good morning again. We had a young couple that visited with us last week. They were from out of town, and I had an opportunity to have lunch with the husband um, early part of this past week, and he was so complimentary of y'all. Uh, he was talking about what a warm and a friendly church this was, and he went on and on about what a warm and friendly church this was. Um, and he said, everybody that greeted us, everybody that shook hands with us, everybody that spoke to us, people spoke up and talked with us. And he was just so complimentary of y'all and of how warm this church felt for he and his wife and their family. Um, it's wonderful to be a part of a church like Hebron where we don't just believe this stuff, right? But we're living it. And so just another confirmation of, of what God's been doing in our lives in and through us. And so I'm glad to be a part of this. I love y'all. I don't say that enough. Um, it's not spoken enough. I do love y'all so much. It's such a privilege to be a part of this church um, together. Our text today comes from Proverbs chapter 6. We're going to be talking about the subject of laziness. That's kind of the negative. The positive side of it is, how do I get the most out of my day, right? So uh, the, the, the proverb kind of talks a little about, about laziness and about the sluggard, but then we're also going to look at how do we become more productive. Um, we're in this series on the book of Proverbs, and so this is our topic that we'll be covering. If you have your Bibles, you can flip over with me to Proverbs chapter 6. I'm going to ask for you to stand to your feet um, as we read from God's Word. We'll be reading Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 11. Proverbs 6, verses 6 through 11. Here we go. The wisdom of Solomon from the Word of God. Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler... She prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. You may be seated. All right, so let's just kind of walk through these verses together um, and on this topic of laziness, this topic of what he calls the sluggard, the life of the sluggard. And so a lot of the Psalms talk about this particular topic matter. This is one of those spots. Uh, Psalm chapter 6, beginning at verse 6, it says, Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Notice here that Solomon calls his reader, the person that he's speaking to here, a sluggard. Uh, other translations use the word lazy bones or the word slacker. That's maybe a vernacular for our day. Um, but a sluggard is not a compliment. This is somebody who is slow moving. This is somebody who is overtly slow. This is somebody who is unnecessarily slow. This is not somebody who's methodical. This is not somebody who's being cautious. This is somebody who is slow for the sake of being slow. Claire had a friend of hers that worked at a subway way back in the day in college, and her friend got fired from subway because she was taking too long to make the sandwiches. People didn't want to stand there in line while she was putting everything in exactly the right spot and getting it all perfect. They just wanted to throw the meat in there, shovel it down the line. Uh, but she was, she was fired because she was slow at doing that. And so Solomon says to the sluggard, um, Verse 6, go to the ant and observe, consider her ways. Again, this is not a compliment. This person is so slow, they're so bad off, they're so lazy, they got such a problem with this, that they are advised to go and watch ants. You say, well, I like looking at ants. Ants aren't interesting to look at, but he's not talking about this in a complimentary way. What he's saying is, you with all of your human creativity, you with all of your ability and reasoning skills, you with a brain that's the size of the anthill itself, I want you to go and put your nose to the ground. I want you to crouch down on the ground. I want you to sit there and stare at these ants, and maybe, just maybe, you'll learn something. Um, verse 7, without having any chief, that is that the ant has nobody to tell them what to do, give them directions, give them orders, tell them where they're supposed to go, no officer or ruler, no manager, no supervisor, 
Verse 8, yet she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in the harvest. Basically, what he's saying here is that the ant just goes to work. Nobody has to tell the ant where to be, when to be there, or what they're supposed to do. The ant just goes about their business. They're an industrious creature. And so the ant knows that the food's not going to collect itself. The ant knows that they've got to go work for it. They have to go find the picnic baskets, and they've got to do this in the summer months. Like the saying goes, you've got to make hay when the sun is shining. That's right. Um, so, verse, so she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. Verse 9. So he says, hey, look, tell me, sluggard, how long? How long is it going to take? How long will you lie there? When can we expect you to arise from your sleep? In other words, when can we expect you to get up and go to work? Now, I want to take a time out here and make an observation that Solomon does not seem to have a lot of patience with laziness. Are you noticing that? Uh, he doesn't seem to, have to want to um, kind of coach this person along or, or be, uh, be slow in trying to get them where he needs them to go. Um, he basically just kind of give them a kick in the rear end, right? Um, and so that's Solomon's perspective. But that's not only Solomon's perspective. Remember, these are the words of Scripture. So that means this is what God thinks as well. This is God's opinion of laziness says that, look, this is something uh, that's not to be celebrated. Verse 10, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. In other words, laziness, laziness, laziness. And if you keep on like that, verse 11, here's what's going to happen. Poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Um, basically, those things are just going to show up out of the blue. Like a, like a robber shows up in the middle of the night, all of a sudden you're not going to have any food to eat, and you're going to be sitting there with your, with your pockets empty and your hands empty. Um, elsewhere in Scripture, Solomon speaks to the issue. He says, Proverbs 14 and verse 23, In all toil, that is in all work, there is profit. But mere talk, just standing around, talking about it. What are we going to do here? Well, I don't know. What do you think we should do? Where should we get started? He says that only tends to poverty. Ecclesiastes 10 and verse 18, he says, through sloth, the roof sinks in, and through indolence, that is laziness, the house leaks. So Solomon basically says, if you keep on like this, things are going to begin to decay around you unless you get some effort, get some energy, get involved, and make some things happen. Now, I'd like for us to flip over in our Bible and see an example of laziness in the scriptures, a story from the scriptures. It comes from Numbers chapter 32, and Numbers chapter 32 contains one of the more famous, more well-known verses in all of scripture. And I'm going to share that verse of scripture with you before we go in to talk about the context of it and to figure out what exactly Moses means. It comes from Numbers chapter 32. It's verse 23. Um, Moses says, but if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. That sounds somewhat familiar. Behold, your sin will find you out. Maybe you had a mom that said that. Maybe you had a dad that said that. Maybe you had a school teacher that said that or a school principal that said that to you. But somewhere along the lines, you probably heard those words, your sin will find you out. Now, let's talk a little bit about the context of what's going on here in Numbers chapter 32. Um, in these verses, Numbers chapter 32, the Israelites are out wandering around in the desert. They've been out there for 40 years, and now they're about ready to go into the promised land. They're about ready to make their way into what we know today as national Israel. And so some of the people from the tribes of Reuben and from the tribes of Gad, they come to Moses and they say, hey, Moses, you know what? We've been over here working on the east side of the Jordan River, and we would like to stay over here because we see that this land is really good. This is all in Numbers 32. This, not, this land is really good for pastures. We can, we can graze our, our flocks here. Um, can we stay on this side of the river? And so Moses says to them, let me show you a map real quick just so you can have a little point of reference here. 
on the map, it shows you that you can see that the kingdoms of Edom and the kingdoms of Moab on there, and these are territories or kingdoms that the people of Israel have defeated uh, on their way to going into and crossing over the Jordan River into Israel. Um, and so Reuben and Gad said, hey, look, can we, can we hang out on this side of the river? Can we stay over here? Things are looking pretty good over here for us. Um, so here's what Moses says. Um, he, he agrees to their proposal, but he says, uh, Numbers 32 and verse 6, um, he says, so they ask him that. And Moses says, shall your brothers go to war while you sit here? So Moses has a concern. He says, are, are, you, are you asking us to stay on the, western, on the eastern side of the river and you're not going to cross over and go help us fight all these battles and drive out all these people that are squatting in this land that God promised to us? In other words, are you going to be lazy? Are you going to put on us uh, all the work and yet reap the rewards for it? Um, and so representatives from Reuben and Gad say, no, 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 we assure you, Moses, that's not what we had in mind. Verse 18, if you'll let us settle on that side of the river, we will not return to our homes until each of the people of Israel, all the other tribes, have gained their inheritance. Verse 20, Moses says, okay, well, if you'll do that, if you'll take up arms to go before the Lord for the war, verse 21, and every armed man of you will pass over the Jordan before the Lord until he has driven out his enemies from before him. In other words, you're going to go into Israel with us. You're going to fight those battles. You're going to drive out all those people. If you'll do all that, verse 30, 22, and the land is to do before the Lord, then after all of that is done, after all of that is accomplished, and you can return and be free of your obligation to the Lord and to your fellow countrymen Israel, and this land shall be your possession before the Lord. But I'm telling you, verse 23, if you will not do as we've agreed, behold, you will have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Now, I've heard that verse preached toward gossip. I've heard that verse preached toward stealing. I've heard that, that verse preached toward all manner and all sorts of sin, toward all sorts of things. But here in this occasion, we learn that the context of that passage, your sin will find you out, that the context of it is laziness. The context of it is not taking care of the obligations that are due to you and I, not pulling our own weight. Moses recognizes that the tribes of Reuben and Gad are going to be tempted to go hang back, to abandon the war effort. Maybe they hang in there for a few fights. Maybe they stay in there for six months. Maybe they stay in Israel engaging in battle for a whole year. But sooner or later, they're going to get tired of all this war. Sooner or later, they're going to want to go back to those pasture lands. Sooner or later, they're going to go back to the eastern side of the Jordan River and get busy about building their farms and building their homes and building their families. And Moses says, look, that temptation is very real. But you can be sure that if you do that, it'll be sin before the Lord and your sin will find you out. Here's Solomon years later with stories like Numbers chapter 32, fresh in his mind from his father David. Proverbs 6 and verse 11, he writes, how long are you going to lie there, O sluggard? When can we expect you to rise up from your sleep? In other words, no patience with laziness, no tolerance for not fulfilling our obligations. All right, so that's our text for today, or at least our treatment of this topic for today. And so that means it's time to ask our most important question. It's the ask we ha question we ask every week around here, and y'all are so excited about this. What difference does all this make to my life? You say, Gordon, I mean, that's really great. I agree with Solomon uh, on, on his approach to work ethic and being productive. I agree with Solomon and what he's saying and what the Scriptures have to say and ultimately what God thinks 
on this topic matter. But my issue is, how do I get motivated? How do I motivate the other people around me? How do I ensure uh, that I have the energy that I need to carry on the tasks that are before me for the day? I mean, unless you can answer that, what difference does any of this make to my life? Well, let me first of all say that overcoming laziness is not a matter of grit. It's not a matter of, it's not a mind over matter issue where I just kind of gut it out and just, you know, and I'm going to make this happen and I'm going to carry on through this. That's, it, overcoming laziness is, that, that's not the method. That's not how to resolve this issue in your life or in others. Um, so I'm going to give you four things here that you can, practical things that you can do, consider that will help you overcome laziness, that will help you get the most out of your day and out of others. Okay, the first thing I would suggest is um, that if you or an employee is struggling with low energy, if you got the Jeb Bush disease, sorry, I just had to go there. The first thing I would do is to check under the hood, to check under the hood. If your car is not working correctly, what is it that, um, y'all remember Jeb Bush? I know it's been a few years ago, but come on now. Uh, no? Remember, he just, remember they said, what animal would you describe yourself as? And they were going down the whole presidential debate thing, and everybody was coming up with like a tiger or a lion or a bear or something like that. And Jeb Bush got to him, and he said, a, a bunny, an energizer bunny. Y'all remember that in the debates? Anyway, sorry. Wasn't planning on going there, and there's a reason why I shouldn't have. All right, so <clears throat> if your car's not performing correctly, what do you do? You take it to the mechanic, right? You crack, they crack open the hood. They take a look under. They say, hey, what's not working here? What's not going on? What's not functioning correctly here? And so the same thing with, with, with your body. If your body's not has the energy level that you need, uh, it could be something that's mechanically wrong, and it could be that you need to go to the doctor. It could be a thyroid issue. And if you go to the doctor and they find out that you've got a thyroid issue, I mean, they can help you clear that thing up and eliminate that right away. It could be that you're having trouble sleeping, that you've got some sort of apnea and you need to go have a sleep study test. So my first thing is, just from a practical standpoint, if you've got low energy going on, go to the doctor. and See if there's something they can find out to help you out there. Step two, second thing that you can do is get a good night's sleep. Get a good night's sleep. You say, Gordon, I didn't think you'd go there. I mean, that seems almost too practical. Well, let's just talk about sleep for just a second. The best way, friends, that you can boost your energy levels is by getting the right amount of sleep. I got a slide for you here. I don't know if you've ever seen this guy. Um, if you remember this particular episode, he was catching some winks under his, <laughs> under his desk. That's, that's Costanza. Um, anybody ever feel like that? Like to put one of those, install one of those in at your office, right? Where you can, uh, where you can, you can relate to that. Um, just a quick tutorial about sleep. We go, when we fall asleep at night, we go through these different cycles of sleep. I was reading up on this this week. It's really interesting. I'd seen, run across a presentation probably a, de a decade ago on this subject matter. It's very interesting. Um, and so I got a slide for you here that shows some of the sleep cycles that we go through, four different cycles or four different stages of sleep in the whole cycle of sleep. And you go through this, I, don't quote me on this, maybe seven or eight times, nine times, something like that over the course of the night. Each of these Stages last anywhere from 5 to 15 minutes, um, all the way up to the deep sleep cycle can last quite a bit longer as you move uh, through these cycles through the night. Um, at the first stage of sleep is when your body is quieting down, and we call that stage, stage one, and it would be easy at this point to wake you up from sleep, to rouse you from, from your rest. Um, the second stage that you enter into is when your heart rate slows down and your body temperature drops, and this is when you're preparing to go into deep sleep. So this is when you're pulling the covers up over you. Maybe you're not even aware that you did it. You're pulling the covers up over you because your body's settling down so much, your metabolism's settling down so much that your body begins to get cold, and so you need those covers coming up over you. The third stage is a stage of deep sleep. 
And it's at this point, it's such a critical stage for us to be able to get into because it's at this point that uh, your body tissue begins to heal, that like literally your muscle tissue heals, that bones begin to heal, that bones begin to grow, that your body begins to um, uh, strengthen its own immune system during this deep sleep stage. And if you're in this deep sleep stage, um, some of you young moms are like, I would love to have that stage, right? But if you're in that deep sleep stage, um, it becomes very difficult to wake you up. If somebody were to come in and, and startle you and wake you up, you would kind of feel like you're disoriented. You wouldn't know really where you are because you're in that time of deep sleep where your body is rejuvenating and is healing itself. And then there's a fourth stage of sleep, which is the REM stage, which is where you do all your dreaming at. And so you move through that period and then start the whole cycle over again. Again, this happens multiple times all through the evening. Now, here's, what's inter- here's what research has to show us, tells us, and this is what's interesting is that the best deep sleep for human beings happens, don't miss this, between 11 11 p.m. and 3 a.m. Research has shown that the best deep sleep that a person can get when you're going through all those cycles, if you go through a deep sleep cycle between 11 p.m. and 3 a.m., maybe you get multiples of those deep sleep cycles during that window of time, that's the best rejuvenating deep sleep that you can possibly get. You'll go through deep sleep cycles at 5 a.m. in the morning. You'll possibly go through them earlier if you go to bed earlier. But the best ones that you can get, research shows, happen between 11 p.m. and 3 a.m. And so what that means is that late night TV is not good for you to get deep sleep because what needs to happen is you need to go to bed early enough that you're already into those cycles of sleep. You're already heading toward deep sleep as you approach 11 p.m. Huh? So if you're watching extra innings of the Braves, again, not good for you in getting into that deep sleep cycle during that window when research shows that we get the best, most rejuvenating sleep. So if you're tired and you feel like you don't have energy to get you through the day, one, go to your doctor, and then two, make sure you're getting a good night's rest. And one of the ways that you can get a good night's rest, get this, I know this is crazy, right? Do what your mom always said, go to bed. Ah, you remembered. Go to bed early. That's right. Get into that deep sleep. Get into those cycles of sleep. Um, I mean, a lot of us would say, well, I'll just sleep in. <clears throat> well, if you sleep in, especially during the summer months, when it's, and you're sleeping in until 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock or maybe even a little bit later, well, it's light outside. And so your body, even though you're, you're asleep, you're not in that deep sleep area of sleep where your body's healing itself. And so by sleeping in, you're really not doing yourself all that much favor. If you're, if you're tired, if you don't have the energy to get through the day, go to bed early. Here's a chart of how much sleep we should get <clears throat> by age. And so you can see some of those. It gives infants, it gives toddlers, it gives preschoolers, school-aged children, teenagers. I'll mention that because we got some of y'all in here need about eight to ten hours of sleep a day. If you're getting six and seven hours of sleep as a teenager, you are cheating yourself out of those deep sleep moments where you're, I mean, if you want to be taller, right, drink your milk and go to bed early because your body's going to be growing during the night. Uh, Most adults need seven to nine hours of sleep on average, and older adults, 65 plus, need seven to eight hours of sleep each day. Friends, God designed us to sleep. Did you know that? He did. Sleep is not a sin. Rest is a good thing, right? God designed us for that. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 24, Solomon commends sleep. He writes, if you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. 
The psalmist writes, Psalm 127 and verse 2, It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. In other words, don't do that. Here's why. For God gives to his beloved sleep. God gives sleep. Friends, if you want to get the most out of your day, make sure that your body is getting good, restful, rejuvenating, deep sleep. Just as simple as that. Third way, third thing that you can do to get the most out of your day and others is to take care of tasks as they pop up. To take care of tasks as they pop up. Uh, Returning a phone call to a client, um, taking the car to get the oil changed, mowing the grass, grocery shopping, these are all tasks, these are all chores, these are all the minutia of day that enter into all of our days. And when we put those things off and we make them, put them on a list and well, I'll get to that tomorrow and then tomorrow's next week and those things just keep piling up, it becomes a burden. That chore becomes, a, that list becomes a burden hanging over you and hanging over me as we procrastinate to take, take care of those things. Years ago when I was a youth pastor in South Georgia, I remember going to the senior pastor and saying, hey, look, I'm taking some online classes. In order to get into these online classes, I have to get a letter of recommendation. Would you write me a letter of recommendation? So he said, sure, I'd be happy to. So I went back down to my office. About five minutes later, he pops his head in my door, and he's got the letter of recommendation. Five minutes later, it's typed out, it's signed, it's ready to go. He hands it to me, walks out the office. And I thought, well, that's a novel idea. (laughs) Take care of something right when it presents itself to you. Take care of things as they pop up. Had never occurred to me before, right? If I had something to do, it would go on my list, and the list would go on my wall, and then I'd lose my list. And I was wondering, well, what is it that i got to do, right? And things were never getting done. And so I decided right there, sitting in my office, as he turned on his heel and walked out of my office, I decided right then and there that I was going to take care of stuff as it popped up. When the, when, when the trash needs to be taken out, guys, I take the trash out. Uh, when, stuff, when the grass needs to be mowed, I go out and I mow the grass. And that way that stuff's off my off my plate. It's off my table. I'm free of all that so that I can focus my energies toward being creative, so that I can focus my energies toward the things that I want to do, that I love to do, rather than worry about that big old long list of stuff that just keeps hanging over my head. All right, fourth and finally, and I would be remiss not to mention this, if you want to make the most out of every day, look for opportunities to share the gospel. Look for opportunities to share the gospel. Charles Spurgeon was a great British evangelist of the 1800s, and he spent many years traveling America, preaching in open-air settings, and he led tens of thousands of people to Christ. After years of traveling, especially in his native England, he made an observation about the Christians in the churches in England where he was, like he was going in and out of churches and meeting people all the time. And his, here was his observation. This is what he writes. He writes, spiritual indulgence is a monstrous evil, yet we see it all around. On Sunday, these loafers must be well-fed. They look out for such sermons as will feed their souls. The thought does not occur to these people that there is something else to be done besides getting fed. He goes on to write, and I quote, Soul saving is pushed in the background. The crowds are perishing at their gates. The multitudes with their sins defile the air. And yet these folks want pleasant things preached to them. They have gotten their possession. They sit down in carnal security satisfied to do nothing. They are absolute sluggards. The sin that Spurgeon is pointing out here is the sin of spiritual laziness. I'm not being willing to share Christ with those that are in our lives, people that we encounter on a daily basis. Friends, if you want to make the most out of every day, 
Look for op- Maybe it won't happen every day, and you're not. And Charles Spurgeon realistically knew that not everybody's going to be the great winner of souls like he was. But we need to look for opportunities to share the gospel. And friends, I may not have produced a whole lot in a single day, but at the end of the day, if I've had an opportunity to share Christ with somebody, that's been a good day. Let me sum up. God has no patience with laziness, um, and there are ways that we can overcome it. Number one, go see a doctor. Number two, get a good night's rest. Number three, if you want to make the most out of your day, the number three, take care of things as they pop up. And fourth and finally, look for opportunities to share the gospel. My hope is that what we've shared today and as you've heard the teaching of God's word, that it has added value to your life, that it will change the way you live in the week ahead. Let's bow our heads together for prayer. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for speaking to us from your word. We thank you for your truth, which is eternal and uh, which is something that we can build our lives upon. God, we ask that as we uh, talk about this subject and think about our own lives and do some introspection, Lord, that um, if there's things that we need to do, some habits that we need to change, Lord, that we would be faithful to do that. If it's just simple little things like going to bed early, God, that we would change those habits, that we would do those things um, so that we can be as productive as you would have us be. And God, we also pray that in the midst of our daily routines, that you would bring people across our paths who don't know you, people who are hurting, people who are lost, people who need the forgiveness of sins so that they can have the hope of eternal life. And God, may we be faithful to open our mouths and to share the good news about Jesus Christ. God, as we gather around this table to remember your broken body and your shed blood, we are thankful uh, that you left heaven, that you went and accomplished this great work on the cross on our behalf. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just move and speak to our hearts today as we share this time of communion. In Christ's name we pray, amen.